And it's fascinating to know that this belief or this idea exists. And so what people have actually been waiting for is not a return of just Jesus Christ, right? Or a return of the Buddha, but a return of the Buddha and a return of Jesus and a return of Muhammad and a return of Ali and the return of all of the prophets and the messengers in opposition to um, all of the worst tyrants and criminals that have ever lived. Wow, that's, that's intense. How are you, Tiffany? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm good today. Thank good you so to much. Be back. Thank you so much for having me here. So today we wanted to talk about a, a very important concept, which is uh, familiar to probably not so many people, uh, and that is the. Uh, the idea of the return or the concept of the return or the raja in uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Okay. Okay. So in Judaism, uh, we find that this, this concept shows up um, and, and it's pointed out in particular in the New Testament. And that's where we get a kind of an insight into the thinking mind of the Jewish believer uh, during the time of Jesus, peace be upon them, yeah. um, because uh, because they they were Jesus is asking his disciples, if you remember, uh, he's asking them basically, what are the people saying about me, yeah. right? And what are some of the things that they said? Uh, some say Elijah or one of the other prophets, and some others say John the Baptist. Yeah, that's a particularly so that's, strange one. So th that is a strange one, and that we're going to talk about in specific in, a, in an episode about the transmigration of the soul. But let's talk about in this expectation, you know, or this this talk that the Jews were having that Jesus was possibly Elijah. Yeah, the idea that they thought that Jesus could have been Elijah means that they were already in a state where they were waiting for a return of Elijah. Yeah. Who was Elijah for the viewer? Uh, Elijah was one of the Israelite prophets, um, and he was actually taken. Uh, it says that he was taken in a chariot of fire, so he, like his body, it was understood that his body actually left the earth. Uh, so the Jews were actually waiting for Elijah to return, and the return of Elijah was supposed to be one of the signs of the coming of the Messiah. But if they thought that Jesus could have been Elijah, that's kind of curious because they had known Jesus, presumably, uh, since childhood, because he grew up in the area, he grew up, they, they knew his parents, you know. It wasn't that they thought this was the body of Elijah, which had descended from the heavens. So uh, it's a particularly strange conversation. And actually, I I never I never heard a an explanation explaining this conversation. Yeah. So basically, what you're pointing out, I think, Tiffany, to the viewer, is the idea that you know Elijah he was taken up in the whirlwind. Uh, he he, the Jews expected uh, Elijah during the life of Elijah that he would uh, show up again or come back. Uh, he never did. And uh, they continued to have this belief, 
many, many years after because there was a lot of time between Elijah and between Jesus. And so the return of Elijah became one of these signs that was associated with the emergence of the Messiah. Yeah. They took him as a precursor almost um, uh, to, to, to the return of the, of the Messiah. And um, it means that you were also pointing out the idea that because they think that Jesus could have been Elijah, and yet Jesus was born, they were open to the idea of reincarnation. They thought that Elijah's return, or the Jews understood that Elijah's return in the end times would have been one of a rebirth instead of one of, of being coming down uh, from the heavens in a whirlwind as he went up. It, I mean, it seems to be the case from the conversation. That's really the only explanation that they were that they seem to, to be believers in the concept of rebirth of the soul, that Elijah could come back in a different body. Or they also mentioned not even just Elijah, but one of the other prophets, that he would have been the return of one of the other Jeremiah. prophets. Jeremiah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's really interesting now. So, so now they were expecting, they said that they, they thought that perhaps Jesus was John the Baptist. They thought that perhaps Jesus was Elijah. And they also thought that perhaps Jesus was Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. So now you have in, in Judaism this expectation of the return of many prophets in the time of the Messiah. Yeah. Wow. That, that's extremely interesting and very not emphasized. No, okay. it's not emphasized. And, and then Jesus says something interesting, right, about who Elijah is. Yeah. What does he say? You mean later on? Yes. Uh, he said that, that he was speaking about John the Baptist, and he was saying that John, uh, none of the prophets were, John was basically the culmination, the greatest of the prophets who had come. And, uh, and he said to his disciples, if you will accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So he, he said that John the Baptist was the Elijah who was to come. You know, we spoke about how Elijah, the appearance of Elijah, was supposed to be a precursor to the Messiah. And he said, that already happened. And this was after John the Baptist was, uh, was gone. And he said that this was the Elijah who was to come. Now, you as a Christian, uh, as a former Christian, who, well, how did they take it? How did they understand it? So that's, that's the issue. They, they don't have a satisfying explanation for it. They say things like, he came in the spirit of Elijah. He came forth in the same spirit that Elijah had. Like and in the same, doing the same things, like in the same sunnah. Yeah, the, that he, he, he was like Elijah and that he fulfilled that sign because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. So they have to believe that the sign of Elijah coming was fulfilled. And of course, they take the words of Jesus seriously, but they reject the concept of reincarnation. So the only way that they're able to make sense of it is just saying he's like Elijah. Mm -hmm. But Jesus didn't say that. He said he was Elijah. Yeah, that's fascinating. So now we have the Jews. They're waiting for the return of Elijah, and not just Elijah, but also John the Baptist and also Jeremiah. And, and that means any prophet or messenger could have been, they could have been waiting for his return. Um, the mere idea that they think that Jesus could have been John means that they believe that that return could happen in terms of rebirth. Um, the other explanations are not so much convincing. Um, 
And we find that being born out of this idea of the return that the Jewish that the Jews had concerning their prophets and messengers, we find that after the crucifixion of Christ uh, in the apparent, the companions, the Jews that followed Jesus, the disciples, uh, began to have this expectation of a second coming of Jesus in the same way that Elijah had, uh, or they were expecting that he would have a second coming. Yeah. So they believed that Jesus would come back again in yeah. order to fulfill the things that he basically did not fulfill in his lifetime. Yeah. That's interesting. And so do Christians believe that the second coming of Christ is going to be one of reincarnation or one of descending on the clouds? Descending on the clouds. Okay. All right. So now we have Jews and we have Christians affirming in their Bible that even though the Jews don't believe in the New Testament, but the New Testament also serves as a historical record of how the Jews in that time were thinking, right? So now we have proven that the Jews and the Christians um, believed in this concept of return. Yeah. What, did, what did the Muslims say? Let's, let's take a look. So when we... When we come to Sunni Islam, we find that they too adopt and have this idea that Jesus, peace be upon him, will have a second coming and that he does return in the end times. And he prays behind Imam al-Mahdi and he breaks the cross and kills the pig and, and is, you know, helps uh, Imam Mahdi, you know, and, and they believe also that Jesus might serve as a successor to Imam Mahdi And they believe that Jesus will get married then after that because it's the son of all the prophets and the messengers to get married. Long story short, they believe that his life will continue afterwards in his second coming, that he has a return in order to do all the things um, that he didn't do before. Uh, including, uh, you know, uh, spreading justice and, and equity and, and equality, uh, and also to, to do the sunnahs that, that the Prophet Muhammad came with. Okay. Okay. Then you have Shia Islam. And Shia Islam is really where this concept of the return is clarified the most out of all of the religions, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, or Islam. It's in Shia Islam that, that we have the most narrations and explanations for this concept. Um, so you have one of the Imams, السلام, he says, he says, he who does not affirm or believe or confess to faith in our return is not one of us. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they make it a, the Imam is saying that this idea of the return is so important that if you don't believe in it, then you're not even a Shia. That it would be almost like not believing in heaven or not believing in hell or not believing in the concept of imamat altogether. It's that important. And then the narrations of the Ahl Bayt, they go on to explain that uh, it's... There's, so there's two groups of narrations. 
one group of narration that emphasizes that the angels will go in the graves to the souls of all of those who had passed, right? Uh, from the best of the believers, and they would ask them, uh, they would ask the best of the believers, uh, your companion, meaning the Qa'im, has returned. He's arrived. You know, so now you have a choice. One is that you can come back to the world and give him support. Two, you can rest in a place in heaven uh, eternally, and it's up to you. And then the narrations state that basically the believers would choose to come back and fight alongside with the with the cotton and help establish a divine just state. So you have that the reason for the return is because there's a desire that the good souls have to create kind of like an Edenic state back on earth to help establish this divine just state and to come back to help this individual who's the cotton. And uh, you have the second group of narrations, which are basically stating that Imam al-Hussein in the time of the Qa'im, he appears, he comes back. Okay. Right? Yeah. So now, and, and the narrations state that he's actually the first of all of the people who come back in the time of the Qa'im. It says he, the, the first person whom the earth splits and he comes out of the ground is al-Hussein Salab Ali. And... The narrations state that the believers continue to be in a state of doubt concerning this person, meaning Imam al-Hussein until death comes to the Mahdi, right? Okay. When, when their hearts are at peace, then death will come to the Mahdi, and then they accept Imam al-Hussein uh, fully with, with, with all of their hearts, right? So now we have this, this idea of... Uh, the imams from the Ahlul Bayt returning, first of them being Imam al-Hussein and then coming after that explicitly in the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt is Imam Ali salam and Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and then there's narrations of uh, prophets and messengers like Ezekiel, uh, not Ezekiel from the Torah who sees the wheels, uh, a different Ezekiel. Okay. He was a prophet who was taken by his people and he basically he was skinned alive. And the narration states that uh, in the moment before his soul left his body, uh, basically one of the, God sent one of the angels of punishment down to speak to Ezekiel and to give him a choice between two things, you know, and uh, one of them was basically that he uh, brings down a great punishment upon these people that were, you know, murdering him. And uh, Ezekiel refuses, and he says that he has a different wish instead. And his wish is that when God sends back Imam al-Hussein in the end times, that he wants to be uh, sent back with him in order to support him. So it seems like all of the martyrs from the prophets and the messengers and the best of them they all want to return in the end time with the master of martyrs, Imam al-Hussein, to, uh, to give victory to the Qa'im and to the Mahdi and help uh, pave the way and establish a divine just state. Then you have some narrations from the Ahlul that are basically saying that the people that return are not just the best of the best. 
but they're also the worst of the worst. Okay. Okay. So now it seems to be this time period where since the beginning, from the beginning of humanity till now, nobody has been able to establish a divine just state. Uh, all of these thousands upon thousands of years from Adam till now, it's been a state of darkness. It's been the state of Cain. It's been the state of uh, Iblis, Lala Talale. And, um, you know, this is kind of like the culmination. The prophets and the messengers were sent and the imams individually at different time periods. And they weren't able to overcome that darkness. And so the time of the Qa'im becomes this, this ultimate battlefield where all of the prophets and the messengers, they must return. They want to return in that time period in order to ensure that the divine just state happens. Wow. And in opposition to them, the world has gotten so dark that the narrations from the Al-Bayt salam state that that the worst of the worst will, will, will also be there. So it's like God uh, packs and sends forward his best, uh, his best weapons and his best soldiers. He brings them at one time. And Iblis also brings forward his, his you know, best soldiers. Wow. So you funny. see the return of Imam al-Hussein and you see the return of Yazid, son of Muawiyah. You see the return of Moses, uh, in the time of the Qa'im, and you also have the return of Pharaoh. You have the return of Abraham, but you also have the return of Nimrod. You yes, see? yeah, I see. It, it just reminds me of this whole Christ-Antichrist concept where you've got, like, the good and you've got the opposing force, and but this is one epic battle in the end. Yeah, it is. And it's fascinating to know that this belief or this idea exists. And so what people have actually been waiting for is not a return of just Jesus Christ, right? Or a return of the Buddha, but a return of the Buddha and a return of Jesus and a return of Muhammad and a return of Ali and the return of all of the prophets and the messengers in opposition to um, all of the worst tyrants and criminals that have ever lived. Wow. That's, that's intense. So the narrations talk about certain people that will be excluded from this return. And uh, they said that the Quran states that we have uh, made it so that no people that have ever been punished with a punishment would return. Right. Okay. We've made it forbidden that they shall return. So. And we have made it forbidden upon a town that we have destroyed that they should return. And. Uh, this means basically that towns that were so bad or people that were so bad uh, would not ever have a chance to be reincarnated in the earth, in the earth again. Okay. So somebody like the somebody from the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, okay. they would not come back. Wow. So it's done for it's them. It's done for them. All the people that died in the flood of Noah, it's done for them. Wow. They also don't come back. Okay. Do you understand? Okay. So their souls go to judgment at that it, point. Their souls go immediately to judgment and there's no second chance for them on earth. Wow. Yeah? Wow. Yeah. So it means basically that when they woke up from the flood, you know, they die and they find themselves in hell if it's over. Okay. So... Now, what's left in terms of the uh, of the raja of the uh, of the people? Um, 
Do you mean uh, from from Christian scripts? From or Muslim from, scripts. From Muslim scripts. Um, well, we have hadiths that state that the companions of the Qa'an are all um, people that have lived past lives in the past. There's narrations that state that the Prophet Muhammad had said, or the Ahl Bayt said that, for example, Sumayya, who was the first female martyr in Islam, that she would be one of the 50. And also the hairdresser of the daughter of Pharaoh, who was a martyr uh, in the time of Pharaoh, she uh, would also be one of the 50 women, one of the 50 companions uh, of the Qa'im. Uh, there's narrations from the Ahl Bayt that uh, explicitly state that uh, Salman al-Farisi and Abu Dijana and Miqdad uh, and the seven sleepers and Joshua son of Nun, that all of them yeah. would be people that would return alongside the Qa'im. So now we have prophets, judges, we have saints, uh, we have companions of Muhammad. All of these characters, they return uh, in the end time. And not only that, but also angels manifest themselves. And we have the manifestation and the coming of angels uh, such as Michael, Gabriel, uh, uh, Raphael, and some of the narrations state that the Qa'im, you know, he always has these companions that are on his left and right and behind him. And uh, that the angel Gabriel is always on his right, Michael's always on his left, and uh, you have some narration state Muhammad is behind him and forcing him. Some of them state it's, it's Raphael. Um, but you have this, this idea of them being there. Wow. And we do have this more, uh, this imagery more available and pointed out in the New Testament, in the gospel, because we have scenes, right, where Jesus was with his companions and he takes them somewhere and he shows them something in uh, one of the miracles of Jesus that's uh, not as pointed out as some of the, the the other ones what do you have you have Jesus takes his companions and there's this scene where he there's a transfiguration of Christ that takes place yeah. where he kind of uh, raises his hands out and he reveals to his companions his true nature yeah so they get to see him in the light form yeah, yeah? And they're in awe, and all of a sudden they see two people on his left and on his right. Yeah. And who are these two people? Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Yeah. So they recognize it instantly that it's Moses and it's Elijah. And it says that they go and they try to set up tents for them yeah, and, so real and for prepare, them. prepare for them. So so now we have in Christianity, Jesus is, is going around, he's healing people, he's performing miracles and all these things. And he has his students, which are the disciples, but he also has these prophets and messengers who their souls were around Jesus, following him as disciples, as if they were looking for bodies to come into, right? Or yeah. they were going to be uh, incarnated soon, or or perhaps at that moment they were incarnated into, uh, into two people. But we have this idea that accompanying accompanying the messenger in every time the other messengers are the other messengers that are there to that's enforce so and to help yeah that's so true that's so true like they must have been following him throughout his ministry and and there were others these are the ones that were mentioned by name but i i mean it stands to reason that that he had like a, a troop of prophets and messengers the souls following him 
that's so cool. And it also matches, Tiffany, with 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 some of the narrations that are in uh, some of the other sects of Shia Islam. Yeah, uh, whether it's some Alawi narrations or uh, Batini Ismaili narrations that talk about how in the time of Imam Sadiq Salam he would be sitting with his companions and nobody would be there and he would walk by each one of his companions. There's a famous narration that's narrated by Mufaddal ibn Umar and basically Mufaddal ibn Umar says we were sitting with Imam Sadiq and we were sitting in a circle and he walks by and he starts uh, saying to each and every one of us, peace be upon Noah, peace be upon Jonah, and naming each and every one of his companions by the name of a prophet. Wow. Yeah. So the idea or the understanding here is that the prophets and the messengers would return in the times of the imams, uh, although not all of them, but some of them would return in the time of every single imam, prophet, or messenger in order to enforce um, that prophet or messenger uh, or imam, but they would return hidden underneath the name of a new companion, right? Whether it's Mufaddal ibn Umar, but in reality he's Jacob or or somebody else, and in reality he's Jonah, uh, or, or, or. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, I understand. But also that proves this idea that in Shia Islam, they believe in reincarnation. Because the return of the prophets and messengers, it's it's through these companions that are around the imam uh, that were born in that time. Yeah, the narration. There are so many narrations from what you've listed so far. They're extremely clear, describing the the fact that it happened before, and it will happen again. That the prophets and the messengers return, and through reincarnation. So what's the, the, the difference then between the return of the prophets and the messengers during the time of Christ or during the time of the imams versus in the time of the Qa'an? And uh, what distinguishes this time from, from those times is that the narration state that it is in the time of the Qa'an that all of them return. And that's why you, you, you have him with 124,000 prophets and messengers in the book of Revelation. Yeah, 144,000. Yeah. I was going to say that this concept of the, the, when you're talking about all of the saints return, or all of the prophets and the messengers returning, in Revelation it is mentioned that 144,000 of the saints and the martyrs, they, they will return when Jesus comes back, the second coming. So this concept of, it's almost exactly the same. Uh, the concept that you're talking about in Islam and in Christianity. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and yet I, I think all three of those faiths, the mainstream versions of them, they don't actually say that they believe in reincarnation, which is bizarre because it seems like there's so much evidence for the fact that that's very much a part of the reality and that it's exactly what's going to happen in the time of the Mahdi, the Savior, or the second coming of Jesus. So it's it's very strange. So there's only now three possibilities for how the return could happen uh, and how the return does happen. And it's either, it's either basically that the return happens by all of these individuals kind of crawling out of their graves like zombies or or descending uh, from the heavens, but that's an extremely unlikely scenario. And the reason why it is extremely unlikely is because uh, 
if it was the case that all of these people, 144,000 or 124,000 plus, that's just the prophets and messengers, right? Uh, let alone like all the saints and the companions and the righteous people. If, and if, if they would just appear wearing their same clothes that they had from those times um, and speaking in their native tongues uh, from those days that they were alive, like it would be difficult to, to understand how would they even communicate with one another and how the world as a whole wouldn't consider this to be an enormous miracle. Right. Yeah. And everybody would have to and be forced to um, submit and believe in that. And yet we find that they're they're opposed uh, the entire time. And uh, and so that's that's an unlikely scenario. It usually doesn't happen like that. And even in the time of Jesus, um, we don't find that, um, you know, the people were expecting that type of a return uh, of Elijah, that he would crawl out of the grounds or something like this. No, clearly not. And I think like logically if you point out that these are the options the option where they crawl out of the ground or they come from the sky um it as you said it, it seems unlikely and it and it seems uh it seems bizarre i mean what happens with, with the cases of people who were like skinned alive or you know beheaded or you know, many of these people their bodies are actually destroyed so it, it really defies logic basically that they're going to come back in the same bodies but as you said, if we look at the history, that's not even what people were expecting anyway. They were expecting a return, but the return of the soul. Yeah, so then another option would be obviously reincarnation. And, and I think that in the West, we have this idea that reincarnation is basically the placement of a soul or the return of a soul uh, through birth. Uh, in the body, and and so the soul enters into the body during the pregnancy or at birth, and exits uh, at death, and uh, so that's a possibility. Obviously, that that the companions, these prophets and messengers, the righteous people, um, they're born into this world once again, and at some point in time during their journey, they don't know each other, they don't know themselves, they don't know each other. Uh, when they come into this world and at some point uh, like they were around Imam Sadiq when he walked by and he would wipe on their heads or say peace be upon Jonah, peace be upon Abraham, peace be upon so and so and and make them know themselves or remember themselves it seems like that's also possible because there are narrations that the Qa'im will wipe on the heads of the people he would complete their minds and and this completion of the minds obviously would also include uh, them remembering uh, past lives or who they were. Okay. A third possibility is that is that uh, it also might be the case that there's this concept of the transmigration of the soul. And like I said earlier, we will go into this idea of the transmigration of the soul uh, more in depth. But it could be a thing too where these souls are accompanying the prophet or the messenger in the same way that they were accompanying Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. They're appearing on the mount. The companions see them for a short time and then they don't see them anymore. And that these souls descend upon true, righteous, sincere, dedicated believers 
that are around the Hajjah in that time at some point in time in their journey. So that would mean that somebody would be born. They would be around the Imam. They would reach a certain degree of faith. Uh, perhaps they would perform certain acts uh, that are worthy of this soul coming down upon them. And then the soul of the prophet or messenger at some point in time in their journey would enter upon uh, that individual. And we do have narrations that support that idea, which we're going to talk about more in the in the episode on transmigration of the soul. But that in short, short Tiffany, is the idea of uh, the Raja or reincarnation or the return of the prophets and the messengers and the righteous people in the time of the Savior. Such a fascinating topic. Thank you so much for, for talking to me about it. And I, it really gives me so much to think about. And it's amazing because because it also means that when when we find uh, the Qa'im or we find Imam al-Mahdi, uh, we're not just finding him. Uh, and to be in his presence is not just to be around him, but it's also to be around all of his companions. And his companions, That's those are, those are the prophets and messengers. So for sure... He'll have with him David, and he'll have with him Elijah, and he'll have with him uh, Jesus, and he'll have with him Buddha, and he'll have with him every one of the righteous prophets and messengers and vicegerents that have ever lived. And that's what makes this time extremely special. And Imam Abna Hassan, he said that there's no time like this time, nor will this time ever be repeated in the future. This is the only time in human history where the best of the best will be there and the worst of the worst. And uh, the prophets and messengers will continue to reincarnate in the future, uh, but they won't all incarnate at the same time ever again. So this is kind of like the great, um, you know, the great wedding. Uh, This is the great table where, where everybody gets to join and sit. And it's the, it's the judgment day where all of the, the righteous people and the unrighteous come back and they extract vengeance against one another. And it's also a kind of like a battlefield and a place in the time of the Qa'im, uh, the narration state where people can exact revenge on those who killed them. So, for example, maybe maybe Jesus in this time takes vengeance from Pontius Pilate and from Judas Iscariot. And, uh, you know, and uh, Ezekiel will take revenge from his killers and Zechariah will take revenge from his killers and John takes revenge from Herod and and everybody who's ever been killed. uh, It's this time where the where the scales are balanced. Well, what a what an amazing time to to be alive. We're alive in this time that will never repeat. And I'm sure you're, you're also one of the most amazing returned people. So God bless you, Tiffany, and thank you for the honor of being with us here. And uh, inshallah, until the next episode. Thank you so much for having me, and I can't wait to continue.